Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Clutch Conversations. It's your boy, Mike. We back at you one more again, live on another Thursday night, man. Really looking forward to tonight's episode. We're going to have a blast on the cast. It's episode 100. Yes, that's one zero zero. Really appreciate everybody rocking with us this whole time, man. It's been a blast, man. Never thought we would have come this far and definitely could not have come this far without the support from each and every one of you out there. So we really appreciate the support. Thank you for rocking with us, for rocking with us this long. And I promise you, man, we got many, 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 many more episodes coming your way. We really appreciate it. Appreciate y'all being on this journey. Shout out to my lovely wife, Takara, as always. Y'all make sure y'all show us some love in the chat, man. Drop a dope comment, show us some love, and don't stop there. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and Hulk smash that notification bell so you can get notifications each and every time we drop a video here on the channel. So definitely Hulk smash that notification bell. Shout out to the audio-only game. Audio-only versions of Clutch Conversations are available on all major podcasting platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. So definitely make sure you follow, rate, and review us when you're checking us out on your favorite podcasting platform. Appreciate the love, appreciate the support. Speaking of support, if you're in this reptile hobby in any shape, form, or fashion, make sure you're supporting USR and USR Florida. The links for both organizations are in the description of this video. Definitely show them some love. If you're not a member, go get your membership. Definitely go donate, do what you can, and make sure you spread the word, spread the word, spread the word. And definitely spread the word about our sponsors. We're going to kick our first video, and then we'll be back to kick it with the chat. Big dreams start in small towns. Small Town Exotics is a family-ran business that specializes in high-quality ball python morphs, western hog noses, and select leopard geckos. They are proud members of USARC, USARC Florida, and the Orient Society. Stay connected with Small Town Exotics on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Witness their journey as they grow their business and showcase their animals to the world. Thank you, Small Town Exotics, for sponsoring the show. Shout out to the sponsors, man. We appreciate you, Shane. We appreciate you, Justin. Appreciate all the love y'all been showing us. Let's see who's showing us some love in the chat. Who we got first? We got the homie Jesus from Rising Sun Surface. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you coming out. Appreciate the support. 
352 in the building. What's good, homie? What's good, Brian? Appreciate you coming out. Appreciate the support. Bosa Reptiles in the building. Appreciate the love. The Sultan of Support himself. We got the homie Eric from Eric's More Factory in the building. What's good? We got the big homie Wiz. Wiz Constrictors in the building. Again, shout out to the Wiz Tan Clan. Man, you know how we do. You know how we do. The homie Dun Dada in the building. What's good, bro? Appreciate you coming out. Appreciate the support. Be unit in the building. What's good? The homie Emilio from Villarino Reptiles. Make sure y'all like the support and be unit as well. Appreciate you coming out, brother. Appreciate the support. Blakers Pythons in the building. What's good, fam? Appreciate you coming out. Appreciate the support. We got Arvin from Game of Odds. Appreciate you coming out. Appreciate the support. And we got James from JNS Exotics. Appreciate you coming out. Appreciate the support. We're going to stop it right there. We'll be right back in just a second. But first, the intro. you listen to me i got that flavor i know you're dying to feed i ain't no dancer just got some hip in my feet now throw your hands up Ooh, you bring the lighter i got the fuse you make a fire i'll add the fuel follow my lead just watch the shoes Episode 100, Mantooth, Captive Bread, Reptiles. What's good, homie? How you doing? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Josh, doing good, man. Appreciate you joining us tonight. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Been looking to, uh, forward to it for a couple of months now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. Good to have you in the building. So real quick, bro, do your introduction. Give your elevator speech for uh, those that might not be familiar with your work. Well, I don't really know where to begin, really, or where to start, but uh, the name's Josh Mantooth. I own Mantooth Captive Reptiles, Captive Bred Reptiles, and I have been a hobbyist for 40 years. So it's a long time. Basically, yeah, hobbyist for 40 years. And it's finally, at this point in my life, I decided it's finally that I took the hobby. Uh, the passion and turned it into a business and that's what I'm working on now but ultimately it's a hobby and it's uh, something like I said I've been a part of the industry without the industry really knowing who I am for a long time because I've always been a hobbyist nice nice uh, so uh, Mantooth that's a cool name I'm not gonna lie bro like it sounds like you were, you were born to breed reptiles. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, there's no doubt. So uh, oddly enough, the, the name Mantooth actually is an adopted name. Uh, it's not my biological last name, but it's the name that I go by and uh, kind of learned to love. I, I, it's uh, odd enough that 
you'll probably never hear that name again. Yeah, it's dope. It's dope. Yeah, I didn't know that was your last name at first until I started looking into yeah. it. It's like, oh, snap, this is last name for real, for real? <laughs> that is my last name. That's dope, bro. That's dope. So 40 years ago, you you uh you've been you've been in a hobby for 40 years. What well, got you 40 in? years ago is when I caught my first snake. Okay, I've that's been kind of, in, yeah. Okay, that okay. What seven, kind of snake was it? Seven years old. Uh, it was an eastern rat snake, and I was seven years old, and it was a four-foot eastern rat snake. Okay, I've okay. Never, I've never had a fear of them. So so what made you want to just catch a snake? Just sheer curiosity? What was it about? Uh, no, uh, the thing about the snake that really intrigued me more than anything was there's nothing out there like it. Everything else has legs. The snake didn't have legs. So, you know, it was just a fascinating creature to me from an early, early, early age. And uh, it's all the passion's always been there. The love for those particular animals has been there since the day I was born. Nice, nice. And so... How long did you uh, keep the rat snake? Uh, kept the rat snake till I was about eight years old and then turned it loose. Okay. So, and then also later in life, had corn snakes. I've had venomous. I've had retics. You name it. I've had it. Nice, nice. And so at what point did you decide, hey, I kind of want to, I kind of want to like step my game up on this and I want to start like breeding a specific species. And did you start out um, in terms of like your breeding and your breeding focus? Did you start out with ball pythons or did you focus on another species? How that play out? Actually, it started off with the ball pythons. So funny enough, uh, up until, you know, the last two years, two and a half years, the only the last time I had a ball python was probably 1993. OK, and that particular animal was an adult female that was imported, purchased at a local pet store, and uh, had some trouble, you know, with the animal feeding, as ball pythons will do, and uh, couldn't quite figure it out because I'd always uh, been more of a Burmese or a tick guy. But I thought, let me check out a ball python. So didn't have a real good experience with that one. And then just really kept the line of uh, working with their chicks, but not breeding them for several years. You know, I'd bought several from Bob Clark over the years. And uh, actually, at one point in time, he probably doesn't remember now, but at one time, uh, Bob Clark would know me by first name. I just have to call him and say, hey, Bob, this is Josh Mann to Chattanooga, Tennessee. And he would say, hey, Josh. And we would talk for 10 or 15 minutes and I'd buy another snake from him. Gotcha. So over the years, I just kept, uh, you know, snakes on and off. It was just a hobby, just a passion. And uh, 2018, I worked with some yellowtail and blacktail crebos. I love yellowtail and blacktail crebos. I think they're amazing animals. Uh, I've got four blacktails I work with now. But that was in 2018, and so I had to move from Florida uh, to Alabama, so I get sold the dry mark on back to the original breeder, moved back to, moved up to Alabama, where I'm located now, and then just one day, I was just browsing on Instagram or something and saw like a uh, Morph Market ad, and I didn't even know Morph Market existed. 
Okay. Last snakes I bought were on kingsnake.com. <laughs> market existed. I'm old school. So, <laughs> so I go on morph market and I'm like, ball pythons have done what? <laughs> what was a ball python? What is that? So what were some so, of those morphs you were looking at at the time that was like kind of blowing, blowing up in your head? Uh, the first one that really just kind of set it off and really just reignited all of this was a, uh, she's in the rack upstairs now, an exanthic yellow belly pot. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, she was gorgeous. So I bought her from uh, David West at uh, Exiled Reptiles. So she's a GCR from Jeff's lineup at the Gateway at Gateway City Reptiles. I talked to Jeff today. Uh, so she's really the snake that kicked it off for me and really got everything started. She was uh, the pinnacle of creating all of this. Nice. And so when you first picked her up, did you pick her up thinking you were going to get into breeding or did you pick her up just because like she just no, looked nice? I picked her up because she looked amazing. And then immediately I thought, okay, what can I put with this? What can I, you know, and then next thing you know, here we are. So talk to us about how the collection has evolved. So what were some of your next purchases and what was the thought process as you were like building your collection? But real quick, shout out to the homie. Justin kicked this thing off right. What's good, Josh? Appreciate you, Justin. Appreciate the support. Rep, rep for the homie. Uh, hey. Rep for the fam. Has anybody ever seen a $19,000 t-shirt right there? Could have bought a base Honda Civic five-speed LX in 96. <laughs> Justin, good people. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> so, yeah, you was about to tell us... Uh, what you was picking up and kind of like your thought process at the time. Yeah, so the, the original thought process probably goes the same way for a lot of people. There's not one. You kind of think there is, but there's not. You're like, ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like this. Let me get Oh, Ooh, what am I going to do with this one? I'll figure it out later. The next thing you're like, okay, I kind of got to get a plan together. So... You kind of, you piece it together. So I kind of piece four big projects together with some, some genes nobody really probably have thought of to work in these projects. So slowly over the last two years, I've just kind of got it narrowed down to about four really good projects that I can work on. And that's what I'm going to stick with. But it, you know, the thought process originally wasn't really there. You're just buying what you really like. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what was the catalyst that made you think differently about how you were putting together your collection? Like did someone like just put a buzz in your ear? Did you figure it out on your own? A little bit of both? A little bit of both. You, you can't really figure it out on your own. So there actually was a lot of both. So, I've been fortunate to keep really close relationships with uh, some really seasoned veteran breeders 
so I'm constantly bouncing ideas off of them. Hey, what do you think about this? What about this? And and uh, if it's something they they think's unique, you know, we'll talk about it. But if it's something they're advising against, you know, they're going to let me know, and then they're going to let me know the reasons why. But sometimes I may not even take that advice because <laughs> it's not it's not about sometimes it's not about being profitable. Sometimes what I mean is it's to me it's about creating something totally different and totally unique. And being able to bring that to the market and just have fun with what you do. It doesn't always have to be about turning a profit. Have to have fun in what you do. So sometimes I'm going to take the long way around things just to see what can be produced. Other times I just might take a straight line to the project, the easiest and fastest way possible. Just depends on what I'm going to try to accomplish. Yeah, I get you. Depend on your goals and whatnot. So you said four projects. So what are the four projects that you're working? Uh, right. Well, I say four projects, but there's about four really key genes that I really love. And uh, Hypo is one of them. Okay. I'm deep. I'm deep in Hypo. Uh, almost every snake up there is either at least a het Hypo, if not visual. So I've got a lot of Hypo influence. So the other projects I like working, I've got some ultra males I'm working with. Okay. I don't, okay. I don't show those off much. So I'll show a lot of different things uh, on Instagram and social media and just having fun. I don't show everything, but I've got some ultra males that I'm working with. I've got some uh, black exanthics I'm working with. Most everybody's seen those, but I'm going to work a project with black exanthic that probably has never been done before. So, and if it has, then we'll find out soon enough. Um, but regardless, black exanthic, GCR exanthic, ultramel and hypo are some of the key genes that I like working with. Now I've also got some super orange stream. And of course, anybody that knows who I am, which there's not many of them, but anybody that does know who I am, know I do have, you know, quite a few strangers in my collection. So, okay, that's right what's now, I, yeah. Right now, I've got a well, she's about hopefully, she's about to be grabbing a stranger hypo clown. Oh, nice, that's what's up. Yeah, that's I, bred her, right there. I bred her to a desert ghost inchy clown head hypo. So, uh, earlier you mentioned um some stuff that you hadn't shown off yet. And you said you hadn't really like posted that. So like, what's your thought process in terms of deciding like what you're going to post and put out there versus what you're going to kind of uh, keep on the tuck a little bit? Well, most of the time I post just about everything, but there's a handful that I haven't posted. Uh, the biggest reason I got to post for people to know who I am, people, you know, to, to know about what I do, who I am. Uh, but the other thing is I can't really reveal everything but I've got things set up within my business that's going to roll out in stages. So what I mean by stages is certain genes I'm stacked real deep in at different size animals and different levels. So mm -hmm. when these projects kick off and I need to add another gene, I've got an animal behind that with that extra gene that's only one year away anyway, and then I can keep rolling that way. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's what's up. Just, uh, yeah, just stair step in the project some because you can't produce it all at one time. But if you're deep enough in the animals, you can stair step mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, like you put a lot of thought into the logistics. So how many breeding seasons have you had so far? I'm going into my second season now. So you I've got your second season. Yeah. Right now I'm going to have, uh, Probably I haven't quite decided what the final pairings I'm going to do. So looking at probably right around eight clutches this year. Okay. How many did you have last year? Just had two clutches last year. You had two clutches last year? Mm-hmm. What was the most challenging part about it for you uh, last year, given that was your first season? Like, hey, you any crazy stories about anything? No, I just got started. I bought all of my animals in 22. So, yeah, I just was able to get a hold of some adult animals and breed them. But the biggest thing was uh, patience. I'm not a very patient person sometimes. But luckily, the ball pythons, I mean, they're so easy to breed. It's, it's so much fun. But it, the odd thing to me was how a female may reject one male or one male may not, you know, one uh, one particular female, but another male will in a minute. So, yeah, I, I found that to be interesting. I didn't I didn't imagine that that would be an issue, but it, but it's odd. It's an issue, and I, I find that strange. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like life. Every like we not all compatible. Mm hmm. Yep. So that just gives you a little little more respect for animals and the complexity of the animal overall. Yeah, like some sometimes you put a certain male in there, and she'd be like, "Not tonight, not tonight." <laughs> no, nope. you throw that other male in there, and you you come back and. Poof. Oh yeah, you come back. You'll come back thirty minutes later, just out of curiosity, and they'll already be locked. <laughs> and it's your backup male that's not the the original plan, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Yep. <laughs> yeah, every time. <laughs> so uh what were those two clutches last year i guess first of all how many clutches did you shoot for did you only do two pairs or did you do more and some like go only did two pairs you only did two and so and yeah, what was that? two pairs was the only thing that i could pair i put a orange stream yellow belly uh het gcr exanthic het pod to a pastel yellow belly clown and DG, Desert Ghost A, DGAs popped up in one of the animals. I'm trying to find out which right now with RG, with RGI. DGA? Yeah, DGA. So I'm trying yeah, to figure out which DGC? animal. Uh, I'm running additional tests right now. Uh, so I'll find out probably midweek. So... Uh, I don't think there's any DGC. I just think it's DGA, but I'm trying to figure out where which animal it came from because I used the same male in both pairings. Right. And I've just got a gut feeling it's from the female. And so if I don't have any DGA in the second sheds that I just sent off, then I'll know it did come from that particular female. So that may change a breeding plan that I have for her. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. So that the first was ODYB GCR het GCR Xanthic Pod to the pastel inchy clown. And then the second one, oddly enough, I had the worst odds in the world on this pairing. 
uh, took that same mail, ODYB hit GCR pod to a big GCR female, GCR exanthic uh, hep pod female. Only hit two pod animals, which okay, which was fine. Um, it's a head to head pairing, but only hit one visual exanthic, and it was a head exanthic to a visual pairing. Oh, my <laughs> man, come on. So that gave me a newfound respect for hitting odds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Those odds can be a bear sometimes. I mean, sometimes you high, sometimes you low. I always say, man, it's highs and it's lows. For real, for real. Yeah. Uh, like I had some highs and then like I had like a run this year of like several uh, clutches in a row where I was either missing what I was trying to hit in terms of like the genes, I was missing on the sexes. Like I had one stretch where I had 10 males in a row. And in that See, same stretch, I was hoping to get a male confusion clown combo. Never mm -hmm. hit a single confusion clown all season, despite like four tries at it. I got, I still got nine eggs in the incubator. So I got nine more shots in theory. Hopefully I get all like my payback on this one. Cause that'll be dope. But yeah, man, I was just like, I was missing confusion clown combos that I was right. shooting for with several chances. And like I say, man, I was I was very male heavy. Most of my most powerful stuff that I hatched was males. And so I really needed some females to put back in the racks. But it is what it is, man. It's highs and it's low. Yeah, it, yeah, it is what it is. But oddly enough, on uh, uh, the first pairing, which was hat pod to, to non-hat, so it was a hat pod to a non-hat, four out of the six animals tested hat pod. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that's that's a win, but that's not the one that I wanted to win, but I'll take it. <laughs> nice, nice. I did have a four-eight clutch that was all females and all uh potential holdbacks. Well, three holdbacks and a potential holdback. <laughs> but then I found out she might be hit pod too. So I got her shed and several other sheds, and I'm waiting on one more shed. So then I'm gonna have to send them off because um I got some shed testing to do for sure. Uh, yeah, I kind of want to like send them all at the same time for like stuff that I was thinking about holding back or it's going to like change the way I work that specific animal. Uh, but yeah, it's it's cool to have shed testing right now. That's um super helpful, super helpful. Yeah, it's uh, I never imagined, you know, when as long as I've been doing this and uh, I've been in and out of the hobby for you know, the last 25 years. So it's get in, get out, get in, get out. Always been just a, a pure passion, you know, in keeping animals and spending time with animals. And I, I never really saw it as anything other than that. And I, that was very short-sighted of me because at that time there, there weren't but a handful of uh, people that were successfully doing it for a living. And so I thought, yeah, I'll never be able to do that for a living. And I may still not. I don't care about doing it for a living. But it's exciting to me to for me to know how much this particular industry's grown over the last 25 years is beyond amazing. Nice. So let's talk about this season coming up. You say you got you thinking eight is what you're going for? Yeah, I could do eight. Let's see. I've got one clutch that's about to hatch. That well, that will hatch next week. I got a clutch. It'll be laid first first week of February. So there's two. I got chocolate clowns on the way. So there's three. 
Nice. And I've got uh, Stranger Hypo Inchy Clowns on the way. So there's four. All right. And then I've got a Blackhead Mojave Leopard Pod Het Hypo paired to a Super Orange Dream Inchy Yellow Belly Hypo Het Pod that just locks. So there, there's five. And... I could do I could do a minimum of seven if I wanted to. Minimum of seven, you said? Mi- minimum of seven, maybe more. I'm okay. gonna say somewhere between seven and eight is where I'll land. Oh, eight. Eight'll where I land. I've got a twenty four hundred gram Mojave female up there right now. I forgot okay. about her. Okay. Okay. So uh which one of those is your most anticipated pairing for this upcoming year? What do you think? That stranger hypo stuff? <laughs> yeah, I already know. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm a fan of the dark jeans. I'm a fan of dark jeans. And whenever, you know, I first saw a stranger, I was like, what the hell is that? And so I uh, got lucky to pick up one animal to start with, which was a uh, pastel stranger hypo, heck, clown. Uh, back in 23 so she is 1200 grams right now so i've got a male to pair her with at the end at this fall uh, as soon as i get her up to size and then i picked up the stranger inchy or the stranger clown hypo uh from kyle hoffman at royal ambassador reptiles oh yeah kyle got some nice hypo stuff Kyle's got a Maserati. Justin's got a Civic. I don't pay for Kyle's Maserati and Justin's Honda Civic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, people. Kyle has some nut stuff. Um, in fact, we was talking about that the other uh, last week. I got a spot nose hypo clown female from Kyle, and it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like one of my favorite snakes in the collection or my favorite snake in the collection that I bought. See you know, crazy. just glows. The, yeah. That's, that's an animal I could use, but yeah, I've got some, some crazy stuff like that too. Like I recently just got a orange stream, yellow belly, uh, a hypo pod, heck clown male. And so if I get my other two hypo clown hat pods up, I actually have a shot at producing orange dream yellow belly hypo clown pods. Nice. Yeah. Has that been produced yet? I can imagine that looking don't pretty, think, pretty. I don't good. think so. So I do not think so. Yeah, that uh hypo that ODYB in there, just mm-hmm. working on that triple. Oh yeah, it looks it's gorgeous. And like I said, it's a hat clown, and I've got two visual clown girls, so. Say that again. I said it, that one's hat clown, and I've got two visual clown girls to pair him with. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's what's up. So, uh, how what collection size wise? How big are we talking? Uh, I'm small. I'm probably the smallest guy you're on here all year. I got seventy-seven animals up there. Okay, so. that's not bad. That's not bad. No, that's uh, ball pythons, uh, some phosphor crebos, some phosphor cobras, some crebos, and some Peruvian true red tails. 
Okay. Ball pythons, about how many of it is ball python? Right around about, about 50, a little about over 50. 50, 50 52, I think. So those other species, are you planning on breeding those species or are you just keeping? No, I'm going to breed the false water cobras as well. I've got them in brumation at the moment. They'll come out of brumation in uh, around mid-February, and then I'll get them ready to go to produce next season. Gotcha, gotcha, man. So obviously false water cobra is different than ball pythons. So kind of give us a little breakdown mm -hmm. and uh, uh, context on the false water cobras. Well, the false water cobras, they're a uh colubrid from south from uh south america so they're a large heavy bodied colubrid uh they'll get about eight feet long weigh up to 10 pounds so they're just a big powerful constrictor uh they grow fast they're eating machines high metabolism uh very highly intelligent and one of the things with the phosphor cobras is they're also rear fang venomous so it's a mild toxin and producing them when they reproduce you got to brumate them obviously you got to put them through a brumation period bring them out and get them get them back uh warmed up and feeding but you can double clutch them they can oh. double clutch but they also can have an average clutch size of about 25 eggs so that's a lot. You, yeah, you, I'm going to have to be selective the first year in which ones I pair. So I've got a lot of uh, lavender influence in my false water cobras. I probably think I got a total of six different lavenders up there. Okay. How long you been in uh, false water cobras? Mm, 25, 30 years. Okay. Okay. And you've bred them before, or is this going to be like your first shot at breeding? Never bred them before. Gotcha. Yeah, that's first what's time for everything. So <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it. I just uh, felt like at this time in life and where I am in life, I can do some of this, have some fun, and uh, just enjoy it. Yeah. How long do you have to brumate those eggs? Uh, Not brumate, brumate what, the snakes? Incubate the eggs. Oh. Anyway. 84 days, 80, 84, okay. 84 days. Okay. Okay. So not a crazy amount of time. Like I heard of some species no. where you gotta incubate for like five months. So no, 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 no. They're colubrids 84 degrees. And yeah. So yeah. All right. And so, uh, what are you doing as far as like advertising and stuff and like, get your name out there like what's your strategy in that space oh the only thing that i do really is social media i've got a website i haven't completed yet so social media is the only thing i do is uh instagram and tiktok here and there and that's it okay okay what about shows and stuff like that like you you going to shows whether vending or attending you probably haven't been i'm gonna be i will be going to shows next year i don't have enough stock enough inventory enough to work with to start a show right now so shows will come they'll come for me in 2025. do you attend shows though when i have time i do but i also work 60 hours a week Oh yeah, I feel you. I feel you. So you you get a little uh, short on time. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. Have you gone to like any of the big shows like Daytona or Tinley or 
any of the West Coast shows, anything like that, or just the local shows? No, not anything, not anything like that at this time. Just been local shows. So gotcha. I'll plan on getting the Tinley in October. Okay. I can't okay. make I can't make the spring show this year, but I will be at Tinley in October. Yeah, the Tinley October is a good show to go to. That's the only one I've been mm-hmm. to. But yeah, from everything I'm told, like that's the best one. So yeah, definitely go check that out. You have a blast. Yeah. Yeah, you'll definitely have a bash. Shout out to the homie. Unk, appreciate you, bro. <laughs> Steven Jones. Yeah, so uh, goals-wise, let's talk about your goals-wise and your goals and stuff and, like, where do you see uh, the business in the next, let's say, five to ten years? Like, what are some of your goals and what you're trying to do? When I set this up, that was ultimately the goal was to be able to uh, do this full-time and enjoy, you know, do what I love, you know, full time. So it was a 10 year goal. So, you know, in 10 years. So by the time 20, well, we'll just say maybe before then. So the 10 year goal would be to have at least a hundred to 125 clutches a year. So yeah, hundred to, and that's just in the ball pythons. So, and then the false water cobras, that's another 10 clutches. So probably right around 150 clutches a year in the next 10 years. That's a lot. So that's that, a lot of clutches. So have yeah, you thought but I think, it, I think it can be done. You just got to be smart about it. Yeah. So have you thought through how that will look like kind of like year by year, like what that gradual increase to get to there, what that will look like for you and, and what you got to do to kind of hit those targets? Mm-hmm. So basically with uh, any particular, when it comes to hitting those targets, you just got to make sure you're stacked deep enough in any particular female, like I mentioned earlier on, and making sure that you can get the production up, but with 100 to 125 clutches. So nine or 10 or more of those will be false water cobras. Because a false water cobra, just say, Holdbacks alone can be up to rate of breed in two and a half years. So the ball pythons with the holdbacks kept there and additional purchases that I've made that I'm still raising and working with will help get there. I may not be at 120 or 125 clutches, but overall that would be the goal. So gotcha. So you got eight this year. And so next year, where you kind of like project yourself at in terms of like number ballpark. Right. So eight next year, I could do probably somewhere around 14 to 16 next year. Okay. Okay. That's what's up. So um, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of females right now that are right there on the cusp. I say they're on the cusp. They're, they're about to hit 11, 1200 grams right now is where they are so with my feeding schedule i can have those animals ready to go uh by november of this year okay okay and then um in terms of like additional projects and stuff like that are you planning on like bringing in some more projects or are you going to kind of like build your whole foundation kind of based on what's in the collection now what's your thought process there no, there'll be some more projects. I'm going to also, yeah, there'll be more projects. 
four is just the main focus for right now. But with the four, you can you can branch out into anything. It just depends on whether you want to go with trying to hit a triple recessive or you want to put a uh, five gene incomplete dominant with a double recessive. It depends, you know, what you want to do. There's so much that's not been done yet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's some stuff you want to get into or at least based on like your current thinking? Man, you're going to make me spit it out, aren't you? <laughs> I already. <laughs> I'm, working on a, uh, I'm working on a black exanthic hypo ultra male project. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Black nice. exanthic hypo ultra male pie project. Nice. Nice. So, so there. <laughs> yeah, it gonna make you spill uh, too much of the uh, beans on it, but yeah, that's that's nice. That's what's up. Because Ultramel, with being such a uh, uh, rich and saturated gene, and then you put black exanthic in there, I think uh, I think that would be something something to see. Nice. I know one of the challenges for me is with the collection growing having like more and more tasks that you have to complete, right? Because you got more, so you got to at least do more of the tasks that you're already doing. So have you thought about like, like how's the work-life balance look for you right now working 60 hours and how will that kind of change over the years to give yourself the bandwidth needed to grow the collection to where you're trying to grow it to? Well, the overall goal is to be able to walk away. So the, the only work-life balance is uh, the business. True. But even that's, you then you still the like personal stuff and whatnot. Yeah. So basically, the day's got to start at about 4 a.m. 4 a.m. working with animals for a couple hours, get ready, go to work, turn right back around and uh, turn right back around and uh, come back home, spend a couple more hours with them. Okay. Okay. And so, do you find it challenging at all now? Like, no, not really. As long as you stay on top of things, you you've got to. Uh, I'm in the snake room every day, so as long as you're on top of it and you're managing your time, and uh, you're in there every day, it becomes easier. You get a uh, system down. You couldn't do it though. Uh, I'm married, so my wife plays a big part of that. So she helps me out a lot at home. So nice. You can't. Nice. You can't. You can't do it unless you've got a willing partner. Yeah. Shout out to the wifeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So does she get in the snake room with you, or? Yeah, she does. She uh, she's there for moral support. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, does she handle the snakes any at all? Yeah, oh yeah, she'll okay. handle them. Yeah, she's not going to clean a cage and she's not going to feed them. So, <laughs> <laughs> she like you look around, sitting right there. I want to get you in trouble. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I can do that on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice. So, 
being new, newer to the breeder side of things, right? Have um, you got like a couple mm -hmm. years under your belt? So, what's some advice would you get someone who is in the same shoes or similar shoes that you were in like a couple years ago, getting ready to get into it? That's a great question. Here's the advice I would give. This may not be advice that would work for everybody. It's advice I'm going to give, though. So if uh, you're never thinking about going to get into this, uh, the advice I would really give you is find two sets of genes that you really like, uh, whether it's incomplete, dominant, or recessive. Just find two looks that you like. Buy a total of six animals. Three females for one, three females for the other, two males, start there. Start with start with some small stuff and projects and kind of go from there instead of having a bunch of animals and not have a real good plan for them. Tell them that's why the that's a good idea. Tell them why that's, that's a good idea. idea. Yeah, like oh, so it's a good idea, idea because it, it's going to save you money. Uh, the three, when you got three females to one male, it's going to give you different options there in case you've got a female that rejects that male. Uh, chances are all three aren't going to reject him. Uh, the other thing is it gives you a, two, two small projects to work off of. Uh, be selective in your genes and who you do business with and who you buy something from. And keep it small because if you can focus on those two small projects and you're successful at that, you can grow it from there. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You don't, you don't have to have, and that's one of the things I'm going to do. I'm going to tailor my business to where ultimately there will be four racks and that's kind of it. So there'll be uh, 80 to 120 females and then 40 males. And they're going to be specific things and projects and that's it. So, and then I'm going to, uh, rotate out the breeder females about every three years because the, the holdbacks that will be coming up will be better than they are. So I, I won't need those any longer. Right. So just always keep turning with fresh genes. I'm going to operate more of a high end scale operation but it's going to be, you know, smaller to where everything, no matter which way I go with a particular project, it's going to be beneficial because of the, the genes that are there and the genes that I'm working with. Because you're never going to hit all the odds, but it's also going to allow me to be able to produce some, some mid-level, you know, or lower end animals because you're going to get those anyway. So with working with limited space and time, I'm going to work with a limited higher end collection. That's what the business is going to be tailored around. Nice. Nice. Hey, we're going to take a real quick break. Show some love to the sponsors. We'll be right back. Peace and love, family. We invite you into the heart of our serenity, ancestral royal pythons. 
At Ancestral Royal Pythons, we're not just breeders, we're nurturers of love and growth. Each of our high-end ball pythons is a tribute to the grandeur of the natural world and our dedication to quality. Reach out today and bring one of our creations into your home. This is Ancestral Royal Pythons. Your journey begins here. Here's to the exciting world of ebony and ivory reptiles. From unforgettable parties and events to keeping and hatching some of the dopest reptiles in the reptile hobby, we're all about education, quality, integrity, and respect. Hit us up and see how we can help make your next project a reality. Experience Ebony and Ivory Reptiles, where fascination meets fun. Ebony and Ivory Reptiles. Josh is going to be right back in just a second. Boom. So have you uh, been paying attention to like some of the changes they uh made on Morph Market? Yeah, I saw uh some of the changes with the auction tabs and all of these other things and Yeah, it's it's uh it's going to be interesting to say the least. Have you checked out any of the auctions? I have. So, I'm going to pay close attention to those. Because that's really, I could be a. I don't know if I'm I'm a fan of that. So okay, speak. I don't I don't know. What are your thoughts? Like, what are your thoughts? Like, what I see what kind of conflict you have in your head with it. Well, kind of conflict I've got in my head is it's uh, it may bring a more realistic value and approach, so to speak, because you know obviously somebody's paying the auction price and all right, so all of a sudden you got a, a DG clown, somebody just throws on auction, that female DG clown sells for $2,000 because somebody wanted to get rid of it. And all of a sudden everybody thinks every female DG clown should be $2,000. Yeah. That's yeah. what they're selling for on auction. You think one animal, like the sale of one animal going to change the market price? No, I don't think the sale of one animal will change the market price. I don't think the sale of 10 or 15 animals or 20 animals uh, would change the market price on an auction. Maybe It would probably take that many maybe to kind of change the market price, but I don't, I don't know. I'm on, I don't know if I'm going to be a fan of this auction thing or not. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like I posted an animal. I got an animal auction yeah. right now. And so I'm testing it out. I do wonder I too. what effect it's going to have on the market. What, if any effect, to be fair, it's going to have on like the right. overall market. Uh, and what effect will it have on like moving some stuff that might have been a little bit harder for you to move? You know what I mean? But uh, well, that part, I think, would be beneficial. So I, I, I threw a particular animal on there today just to see what really happens, because it's kind of a a one-off animal. A lot of my first clutch was kind of like one-off animals that you really don't have anything to compare it to uh, that's out there. So I threw one male on there to see what happens with this particular male. And then I'll just kind of play with it, figure it out from there. But I don't, I just don't know if I'm going to be a real big fan of it. You can set reserves. I get that. Uh, so in a way, people are still going to set their pricing where they want their pricing anyway, or the minimum amount, you know, they're going to be willing to take for that animal. Uh, but if the 
if it gets used in a way to where, like I said, you've got Desert Ghost Clowns on there selling for $1,500 to $2,000 consistently, then it'll change a lot of people's plans. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I don't know. We'll just have to see what takes place because I know when it comes to hitting a double or a trestle recessive, it's a lot of damn work to, to watch all that money go away. It's a yeah. lot of damn work. Yeah, yeah, I feel you on that. And so that's going to be one of the most interesting things, in my opinion, is seeing what effect it has over the overall market. Like I said, I don't know if I'm sold. It's going to have like this huge impact on the overall market. I can see right. I can see like both sides of the argument. I can see, hey, uh, if it's just like a single animal here and there that goes for a cheaper price, then really that's not the market price. That's the result of that auction that maybe even right. a limited amount of people were exposed to, right? Because like someone could set like a price of an animal for like three days and people saw it and you know what I'm saying? They got it and they got it at that price, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the market price for that animal. But to your point, if it's a lot of animals like in that particular project, right? that are going for like this well-publicized small amount of money, then yeah, that can influence the market. And so just to see like where right. you kind of land with that, that's what I'm going to be definitely kind of trying to peep out over the next several weeks, several months, whatever it takes. It, it would, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be interesting because you're going to see a lot of, uh, a lot of common animals and common combos, you know, on there. I, I think you're about to see those really, really decrease and to rob's point too that's another good point right now you can only ah, yeah I didn't per month uh per seller yeah. i think they're thinking about like for certain tiers of morph market membership i think they think thinking about expanding it to two <clears throat> but even mm -hmm. then it's one to two per month per breeder so that's kind of a a good internal control yeah, that, that, so that, was, that was smart thinking. i like that and then again, to this point, this other point, like with reserve, like you can set a reserve for the least amount of money that you're going to be able or that you're going to be yeah. willing to accept. And other folks can't see what that reserve is. So they don't, <clears throat> it, that's not a publicized amount. You can kind of like do the, right. do the math and see where things go that don't clear the reserve, but it is some internal controls in it. So. Rob brings up another good point. That was going to be the second thing I was about to ask. You know, how does the, the seller handle it when the buyer doesn't want to go through with the deal? And Report Rob just brought that up. Report yeah. the ass. <laughs> mm -hmm. Straight up. Yeah, because they already they made a post today saying that like they was going to kick folks off the uh, platform if they did that. Well, I, I mean, they should. You know, it's no different than if, uh, you know, you're selling something on eBay and, you know, people don't pay you. Yeah, yeah, because that, that's just messing up for everybody. Like, we ain't got time right. for that stuff. Yeah. And I normally ain't one for, like, reporting, but report that for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you say you're going to do something, you know, you do it. So you committed to buying it. it. It's not a game. It's a purchase. It's an animal. You know, you, you clicked it. You bought it. Now pay for it. And then you got sellers doing, like, shady stuff too on there too not all sellers obviously but you are going to have some bad players on there who do You're bad right. stuff on both yes. sides and, and absolutely will. and uh you're gonna see that because i mean there there's 
there's already some things on there that I, that I see in auctions that I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know where this particular animal came from, but it doesn't look like it's in good shape at all. Man. Dude had a half dead animal on there posted. Or that's crazy. Per him. Yeah, that was crazy. See, yeah, that that's yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he got reported. The authority's coming from coming for him. <laughs> <laughs> Darren don't play. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that was so that was so wild to me. And like I, I felt like he was on some scam type of time too. But that was so wild to me. But I oh, had a guy send me a message last month on Instagram, uh wanting to buy a snake, and he said he bought one from somebody off Facebook, but the guy took his 250 bucks and never replied back to him. I'm like, man. I don't know why people do that. Yeah, that's nuts, man. I, I don't even understand. I mean, I, I understand, but I don't get it, if that makes yeah. sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not built that way. I, t- yeah, I that- take too much pride in what I do. You know, there's there's not at any point in time uh, when it comes to the animals that I, I just don't take care of them, you know, like the, the half dead animal that was, you know, on the auction or whatever, people scamming people. I just take too much pride in what I do. I'm just not built that way. I'm just, I'm not cut from that cloth. So I, I don't understand things like that. Right. That and people. I want that kind of karma either. Like, no, I go around literally just trying to screw people over. Mm hmm. You but, can walk up in my snake room at any given time and you can slide up in any tub and it will be clean 80% of the time. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm in there every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But hopefully a lot of that stuff kind of gets brought to the light. They get those people out of there. So at least they making an effort, you know what I'm saying? To clean some of that crazy. No, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about that, but. I don't know what uh, the expansion and everything else. So now, you know, they got fish, you know, some aquatic stuff on there, some plants on there now. So, you know, the website's expanding. So that's a good thing. Yeah. So lots of lots of traffic on the website. Mm -hmm. And so somebody coming over there, they might have got caught by like a I was going to buy a plant type type thing. And they on the website and then they say, I want to explore and boom, they see. The man tooth captain bread reptile ball python, and then they head starts spinning, and then boom. There we go. <laughs> man, I've just been fortunate enough to uh be a part of this industry for the last couple of years, and I have absolutely enjoyed it. And Mandy, can I tell you what? I have met some really, really, really nice people, some great people in the industry. So I think that's part of if you want to be successful and you want to get in this, uh, the other piece of advice I would give you is to surround yourself with great people in the industry. So how did you meet Justin, speaking of great people in the industry? Uh, Kaboka? Kabilka or Thomas? Thomas. Thomas. Okay. Justin Thomas. I bought a snake from him on Morph Market. Then uh, Then I bought, I think I bought four or five from him over the past couple of years. Okay. So, okay. Mm-hmm. 
But he's always Johnny on the spot. He'll answer the phone anytime I call or text. Oh yeah. If oh, he yeah. can't if he can't answer it, you know, he'll send a text. So I talk to Justin literally. I talk to him all the time. Same here, same here. How far away from Justin are you? Uh about two and a half hours. About two and a half hours. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's got a snake I'm trying to talk him out of right now. What's that? I I I can't tell you. You can't tell me. Oh, he's got a cypress spot nose yellow belly clown, I think. Okay. Yeah, he got some nice cypress stuff. Yeah. So I'd have a plan for that. Yeah, cypress is one of my favorite genes to work with. I've got a couple of cypresses now. I've got a cypress pod uh, male up there that's 66% hedexanthic. I'm 90% sure he's hedexanthic. And I hope I prove him out with this clutch that's about to hatch. I haven't seen too much cypress uh, pot stuff. What does the cypress do to the pot? It darkens it. It darkens that pot, breaks up the pattern, gives it a, you get a real, uh, on the saddles, you get a real dark outline. It outlines the saddles real dark. I'll shoot you a picture of him. He's a pretty animal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, man, cypress is one of my favorite genes. So... I'm thinking about putting him to a banana hypo pot I've got. Okay. Cypress does nut stuff with uh banana too. Yeah. So it'd be, I'd be able to hopefully have a shot at a Cypress banana pod. And last time I checked on morph market, there's never been a Cypress banana pod sold. Okay. So I'll be interested to see what that looks like. Yep. I'm thinking about either that or a blackhead leopard Mojave pod head hypo to the hypo banana pod. Okay. That may be interesting too. So, uh, did you say you, you got a hypo clown pod too, right? Or hypo pod? I got, I got, yeah, I got two hypo clowns head pod. And then I've got that male orange stream yellow belly. Uh, hypo pod ODYB hypo clown. I'll have it, I'll I'll have a chance at making an ODYB hypo clown pod. So I'll have have two shots because I got two females for him. Yeah, I definitely want to be doing that project. Yeah, so that will be a uh, that will be a good one. So, and I I think, uh, I think I'll have a really good shot at hitting that because of the way those genes are set up. I say a good shot. It's still a long shot, but I think I'd, I'd have a better than average shot. I just got to keep those females on food, get them past that thousand gram wall and uh, keep after them. And uh, hopefully when we have this uh, conversation next year, you might be able to see some of those babies. Nice. Nice. Do you, uh, do you have a lot of girls hit the thousand gram wall? No, I had one female, the exanthic uh, yellow belly pod. When I got her, she weighed 970 grams, and it took me eight months to get her to feed. She went off food the moment I got her, and it took me eight months to get her back on food. I've had her since 2022. Should have been able to breed her last year. She's just now hit a little over 1,200 grams. 
and I've already made my mind up. I'm not even going to breed her till I can confidently have her to over 2000 grams. Gotcha. I'm not, I'm not even going to, I waited this long. I might get, wait till she hits 2,500 grams. So might as well just no big deal now. Cause I'm still trying to find the right male to put to her. Yeah. I got a few girls this, this stuck right now, like within that probably like thousand to 1500 gram kind of mark. Like I got one right. girl, she's 1500 grams, but I still want to like eat more. Right. Cause I don't want to mm -hmm. like, I don't want to rush it and there's no reason to rush it, but I would like for her to start eating more because like next year is really when I need to breed her versus mm -hmm. me. And so like now this year, I wanted to use this year where I don't need to uh, breed her um, to put on some weight and get ready for next year, but she's just been chilling. And again, 1500 grams, but still I want to put some more weight on her. See, I've just, uh, I just paired a snake that weighs less than, well, it weighs right at 1400 grams. Okay. So this is going to be, this is going to literally be the smallest snake I've ever paired. But the only reason I'm doing it is she's developing follicles okay. and her body, her body structure is on point. So she's, there's not a lot of fat. She's, she's more of a muscular bodied snake. So when you, when you grab her, she's thick, she's got a nice thick body. There's, it's not mushy. You know, so it's not a lot of fat reserves. She's just she's a, got a lot of good animal, right? So she's got a lot of good weight. So I, I look at not only do I look at the overall body weight, I just look at the overall body and condition of the animal. I don't care if the animal weighs sixteen or eighteen hundred grams. If I don't like the way the animal looks or the condition of what I feel like the animal should be, I still won't breed it. I wait until I'm 100% confident in that, that animal's body condition. Yeah, that's exactly why I want this girl to eat some more and kind of like yep. get ready for the breeding season. Right. Just because just because you can breed one doesn't mean, you know, that you should. I've exactly. got another female. I've got a female right now that I could pair. She's a triple head, uh, hypo DG, hypo DG clown, triple head. Uh, I could pair her right now. I'm not happy with her body structure. So I'm going to wait and pair her next year. The quality or, you know, control is important. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, because wh what happens if, uh, even though she can go, but what happens if, you know, she gets egg bound or what happens if she gives a four egg clutch? What have I done? I haven't done anything but shoot myself in the foot and potentially damage an animal because I didn't want to wait six more months. You know, that part, you know, that don't make any sense to me. So I'll, I'd rather wait, knowing I'm, I'm going to have a good clutch and uh, the animal's body conditions are right before I'll even consider it. So, and like I said, I can consider on the small side too, just like I did with this uh, one pairing I just had uh, just paired last week. And that was uh, a super orange stream, inchy yellow belly hypo het pod that's 1400 grams but she is a solid 1400 grams there's a difference nice nice personality trait wise like 
what would you say, in your opinion, are some of the most important personality traits or strengths that somebody in this industry needs to be successful? Hmm. Personality traits to be successful in this industry. I'd say probably the first thing you got to do is uh, you got to want to win. You got to have conviction. Uh, but personality wise, you've got to, you, you can't have an attitude of, you can't have that. I, I quit attitude. I have a very boisterous outgoing personality at times. Uh, I'm a control freak. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing to have, you know, in this industry or this business, but I like to be in control of everything all the time. Uh, but personality wise, I don't think it's a personality trait as much as it is uh, just a general character, but you, you, you got to have a uh, conviction about you that's unwavering. You know, what whatever you want to do, you, you got to stay at it. You got to be committed and you got to be unwavering because I've got some things up there right now that aren't going my way. So it's going to happen. But overall personality, you just got to be outgoing. You got to give it a shot. I'll be 47 years old in February. I just started doing this two years ago. So if I can do it, everybody should be able to do it that wants to do it. You just got to make it happen. For sure. So conviction, you touched on that twice uh, in your response. Yep. And so I'm assuming that that's a character trait that you have. And so talk to us a little bit about how you developed that conviction and kind of like how you became who you are to apply that to the reptiles. Okay. So you got to have a conviction and a belief about yourself and whatever you want to do that's unwavering. So just to give you an idea. I came from a, uh, when I grew up, it wasn't the most ideal circumstance. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up, didn't come into money, uh, grew up in a, uh, well, the, you know, my mom was single mother, you know, raising two kids. So you got to have a want to about you to succeed. And that's just something I don't, you either have it or you don't, you either want to do it or you don't. So it's just something that's always been there for me. Cause I know if uh, if I'm if anything in the world's going to happen, you got to make it happen. You can't wait on it to come to you. Right. Nobody's going to walk out and hand it to you. You you got to go get it. And if you're not willing to do what it takes to go get it, you don't have that conviction, then you're not going to succeed. Not only in this, you're just not going to succeed in anything in life. Facts, facts. It's it's got to start with you. If it don't start with you, the rest don't matter. Facts, facts. So the flip side of that question, like aside from like the obvious and some of this stuff we talked about earlier, like dishonesty, scamming, stuff like that, notoriously selling sick animals, like what's some traits that can lead to someone being unsuccessful? Making a quick buck. If you just think you're going to buy and flip animals and just want to make a quick buck, You'll have short-term success, but sooner or later you run out of customers. 
there's no there's no long term game in that, and it's just damaging to the industry as a whole. The industry's come too far for actually the industry shouldn't even allow people like that. If you want to know the truth, my opinion, if, if you're not selling a good quality animal, you're not taking care of your animals. Uh, and if this hits home for you, then, then maybe you're part <laughs> of the problem, you know, for the people that are watching, because it's, it shouldn't be about money. Money's a byproduct. You got to win before you get the money. Money's a byproduct. If you don't put in the work, there won't be any money. And if you're going to shortcut it to make money, then you need to go on and consider doing something else. Yeah, practice. You don't focus on the score. You focus on the process. That's it. You just got to you just got to stay committed one day at a time and do things the right way. You know, it's too hard to get started. Uh, for one, you know, especially when you're starting with somebody like I am, that nobody knows who I am. Uh, although they know me through social media, you know, that's it. But they haven't met me. You know, I've sold some, I've sold some snakes, you know, made some friends, uh, met, you know, different breeders in the industry that have helped me. So if you're going to get started in this, you better get started the right way. Because if you get started off on the wrong foot and you damage your reputation early on, there's no recovering from that. Nice, nice. Good advice, good thoughts there. Yeah. Cool. So um, before we get out of here for tonight, I do got some random questions for you. And uh, sure. we'll start with the first one. So if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Oh, it would be Australia. Australia? What's, what's good about Australia? What's not good about Australia? <laughs> you got some of the most amazing and crazy and wild animals and venomous animals over there in the world. Hell yeah, yeah it would be Australia. <laughs> Any particular part? Any of it. Doesn't matter. Queensland. <laughs> got you. Have you ever been over there? No, I haven't. I've actually, I know some people that have been there. Uh, I've got some people that work for me that went there last year. And uh, my wife's actually got a friend that lives over there. We've never been. Okay. That'll be a dope trip. I hope you get to make mm -hmm. it over there one day. Yep. All right. So if you won $10 million tomorrow, how would you use it? Oh, I've already had that planned out. So if <laughs> I won $10 million tomorrow, first thing I'll do is uh, eliminate any and all debt. Uh, second thing I would do would be able to find a plot of inner city real estate buildings that were abandoned or something like that. And maybe a not so desirable neighborhood or area, tear them all down, uh, turn it back into a sanctuary and take the commercial property and turn it back and give it back to the wildlife. And actually give people and kids a uh, place to go and play and spend time and and uh, take some of those ugly, nasty warehouse, old abandoned buildings out and turn it back into something good for people to get out and enjoy. That's what I would spend a large chunk of the money on. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And so next one, if you could have dinner with any three people dead or alive, who would it be and why? Any three people dead or alive, who would it be and why? Well, the first person would be Brian Barchek. 
Absolutely amazing individual. Uh, absolutely amazing, amazing individual. Uh, it'd be Brian Barchek, Steve Irwin. Okay. And three people that are alive. We'll just go with Brian Barchek and Steve Irwin. Okay. Let's leave the third one out. Nice. What's one question you would ask uh, Steve? Steve Irwin? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know if I'd ask him any question. I just want to be around him all the time, 24-7. The man <laughs> was absolute fireball, genuine passion. How can you not love that? I mean, it, it was genuine. That He just uh, he bled that enthusiasm. Thanks. So, yeah. You don't even have to ask him any questions. You just just take it and go with it. I imagine he would probably he would be just as genuine off camera, or you know, I think he's just as genuine or would be the same person off camera as he was on camera. That's dope, bro. That's real yep. dope, man. Man, so it's been an amazing show. Really appreciate you coming out, man. Yes, sir. Uh, been looking forward to it all week. <laughs> I knew it was going to be a good time. So, yeah, definitely yeah. good chatting it up with you. So before we get out of here and let you enjoy the rest of your night, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. And if there's anything else you want to let folks know, uh, the floor is sure. yours. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Mantooth Captive Bread Reptiles. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at Mantooth Reptiles. And the website will be coming soon. And the store is also on Morph Market, and it's attached to my Instagram. Nice, nice, nice. To everybody who's checking this out, whether you checked it out live, whether you're checking it out on the replay, whether you're checking it out on the audio-only version, appreciate the support, man. Again, thank you, everybody who's been rocking with us for these last 100 episodes. And this ain't the end. This ain't nowhere near the end. This is still the beginning, and we got more and more and more stuff coming for you. Uh, so definitely stay tuned. Really appreciate all the support. Thank y'all for coming out. Be blessed. Peace.